You are now tuning in to Youth Voices Amplified, a podcast production from the Community Enrichment Project, a youth civic engagement nonprofit. Alrighty, so hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Youth Voices Amplified. It's a community enrichment project podcast empowered by the youth for you. Um, Today we are going to be discussing food insecurity and how the lack of access to healthy food impacts us as a whole. Uh, But before we jump in, let's check in with my co-host for today. Hi, I'm Don. I'm 15. My pronouns are they, he, and I'm a member of the Baltimore Youth Food Security Network. Thanks for having us on the show. Hi everyone, my name is Kayla. I'm 17 years old. My pronouns are she slash her and I'm a part of the Baltimore Youth Food Security Group. Hey everyone, I'm Zion. I'm I'm 17 years old. My pronouns are she, her and I'm also a part of the Baltimore Youth Food Security Network. Um, It's really great to have you guys today as my co-host. Um, let's get started. I want the audience to learn a little bit more about you guys. So what is the Baltimore Youth Food Security Network? Okay, so the Youth Food Security Network is a youth-led organization via Heart Smiles ND, and we fight to ensure that everyone in Baltimore City has access to healthy and nutritious food. We have numerous projects such as our Youth Food Pantry, and we partner with other, other organizations that have similar aspirations. Okay, and what does food security or food insecurity mean? Okay, so food insecurity is when someone has access to food, but not access to the proper nutrients, like healthy foods, like they'll have access to a lot of like unhealthy foods, but not the healthy foods. And food security is when people have access to nutritious foods. Okay. Okay. So is there a bigger difference between hunger and food insecurity? Um. Yes, anybody can be hungry. Like you can have access to nutritious food, like fresh produce and things like that, but still be hungry because you necessarily didn't eat that day or during that week. Um, but food insecurity, you really can't control that because you can live in poverty or you can't control like the markets that are in your neighborhood. So you can probably live around a save a lot. You probably can't, um, well, you can like petition for a Harriet's Teeter and things like that, but you necessarily can control hunger but you cannot control who is security um, based on where you grow up or where you live at. Absolutely. Thank you for that analogy, um, Zion, or that example, I should say. Um, I also know that you guys have done a lot of research on the topic, which I do appreciate. Um, and my question is, who do you think are the groups that are uh, the most at risk of being food insecure? It's actually a really great question because there are numerous groups that I'm learning about every day. But a group that I believe is highly affected by food security would be returning citizens or those who were previously incarcerated. The reason I say this is because they have no stability when they are released from incarceration, seeing that they were locked away for a, new, for a long period of time. Um, something that really stood out to me is that the family of those returning citizens are highly vulnerable to hunger and food security. And I never really thought about how the family members were affected by the imprisonment of their family member, if that makes sense. Also, I'm really surprised because I never thought the effect incarceration had on a person, let alone those close to them. And it absolutely was shocking. And as I said before, I learned something new about food insecurity every day. Lastly, 
people who are formerly incarcerated have a harder time accessing SNAP benefits, which means they don't have something ready for them to fall back on in the system with food as they navigate through the hardships they face while they get back on their feet. That's interesting, Dawn. Well, my research has been focused on Latinos and undocumented immigrants. The Latina group is one of the most at risk because they have unequal treatment because they are immigrants and Native Americans. Latinas have to work in high poverty places to even receive a good pay. And these high poverty places don't have like nutritious places. Like it's no markets near. It's like corner stores, places you get chicken boxes and stuff like that. It's not a market where they're working. And, you know, when you're working, you get hungry and they're they're not going to starve themselves. So that's um that's an example and it's it's i'm not surprised sadly because they already have like unequal treatment and stuff like that something that stood out to me was that the undocumented people they can't get jobs legally so they have to find someone that will hire them and they are mostly located in high poverty places so that's also another reason if they had people like that was hiring them in suburban areas they probably would have a better chance of having access to nutrition nutritious places um thanks for sharing that information kayla um i also have been looking to like african americans and native americans I mean, this group is mostly at risk simply because they live in the communities, like Kayla said, with high poverty, um, with a high poverty rate. So they're getting fewer jobs and they get um, less educational opportunities. I mean, honestly, I'm not surprised by it because if you look at like America's history, Native Americans and African Americans are was always set to be like out to not get not get the opportunities they need when it comes from slavery, um, just different like different documents and stuff that push Native Americans out of America and things like that. Like they never look in an interest towards African-Americans and Native Americans. So when they talk about getting fewer jobs or less um, educational opportunities, it is kind of like, okay, so what are we gonna do now? So they won't be going through food insecurity. I mean, so we won't, we can get the education we need so we won't be food insecure. So yeah. Um. Thank you three for sharing. Kayla, something that you said, um, it kind of stuck out to me. So I just want to say something really quickly. Um, when you were talking about like food insecure communities, um, I thought about New York in particular, actually, because I was watching a documentary um, and I found out that like bodegas are, are like, they're so important in, New York because a lot of cities like don't have like accessible grocery stores that are one affordable or two like within an appropriate distance and I think that's so sad because like a bodega is like where you get snacks a bev never forget the bev like why are we doing grocery shopping at the bodega like why <laughs> why is there not a grocery store with like I don't know a 10 mile radius of like these big black and brown neighborhoods it really upsets me. Um, and I'm from PG County. I'm not, I'm not from the city like you guys are, but um, I know personally, like in the city, like there's one Whole Foods, like in PG County, if I'm not mistaken, and it's on the campus of UMB, a predominantly white institution. And I'm just like, hmm, that's suspicious. The rest of them are in DC by Biden. Like, I don't like that. 
Um, so it's all strategic. Everything, everything is strategic. Um, give me one second. The chat booming. Yes, done. What you want to add? Yeah. Okay, I just want to say no Bev is crazy. Like, yo. Um, never forget the Bev. Of- never, never. Thinking back off of Zion, I believe the answer to like the problem of food security is the system because it was built against minorities and for the benefit of people of European descent. So that's also something we look at in our network. Always, always. Wait, can I add one thing to what Dawn yes, said? Yes. Okay. Keep it going. So everybody gonna learn this if you take AP history, but if you look at the social class when it was like in the 15th century or whatever like that. It specifically said the top people are the European people and the bottom, like the lower class people are African-Americans and right above that, Native Americans, like we're the lowest of the lowest, like even Mexicans and Latinos and stuff like that have a higher social class or economic class. Um, And then if you look at D.C., Baltimore City, like any city neighborhoods, um, New York and stuff like that, if you look at it, you can be at, it could be a project right there and then right the next two blocks is going to be a huge, yes, huge, like huge downtown area. Yeah, but yeah, like, it looks amazing too. But it's so crazy how it's so close. Like one part is so poor and the next part is so wealthy. Like I just find that so crazy. That's, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yes, the same thing is going on right now in DC. Like the gentrification is crazy. Like we have houses, like brown brownstone homes from like the early nineties, and then we have like these really super modern houses and like your neighbors and then there's like a whole foods and it's just like one of these things is not like the other <laughs> um so yes that is it's just it's just like crazy like seeing it in real life um but i agree with the points that all of you guys raised um this topic is very important and i want to make sure that we can all do our part to make sure everyone okay. has food um keep doing Keep doing the great work that you're doing in Baltimore. And thank you guys for joining us today. I do hope that you guys, our listeners, enjoyed today's podcast episode and feel empowered to help and create more healthy equity in our communities. Please remember that we can all make small changes to have big impacts in the world. And if we work together, we can all really make a difference. Tune in next time for another episode of Youth Voices Amplified, a podcast powered by CEP for Youth by Youth. Thank you, guys. Thank you.